0: Amateur Hour, powered by Perfect Game. Happy Holidays. Danny Wexelman right over there. Darren Sutton right here. Um, I'd like to call it the only podcast devoted to amateur baseball, but that would not be accurate. We're just proud of the storytelling we're able to do, and it's because of the athletes and their families and their journeys, college players and high school players. and Amateur Hour, this hour we devote to them and uh, Danny we've got some good ones I mean Elijah Green's a, a 2022 um, who in his perfect game career has been incredible he's a number one player in the 2022 class that could probably play football and be destined to go to LSU or Clemson right now um, and pick his position but baseball is his sport he loves it uh, he wants to grow the African-American presence in the game um, his family is an A-plus family his dad played in the NFL his mom Leslie is uh, a super strong and impactful woman on his on his education, but just the Green family and Elijah Green, this ought to be fun. And he's, you and I were talking about it. He's, he's quiet. He's, uh, he's, he's definitely a peaceful young man, but uh, we'll pester him enough to hopefully he shares a little bit about himself because he's an intriguing and classy kid.
1: So when you Google his name, obviously a million and one things come up and it's a lot of different stories about him. And, and it's, basically raising him up extremely high and he deserves all of the accolades that he's getting. He deserves to be talked about, but the thing that you can't, find when you read about him online is that number one, his parents joined our podcast and we're, we're listening in. And I think that Mm -hmm. speaks volumes about the kind of person that he is, that his parents joined us. They wanted to hear what he, what he had to say. They probably miss him. They wanted to see his face. They wanted to, you know, just hear what's been going on with him as well, because I'm sure teenage boys don't share everything that's going on in their lives. And two, he's a fan of his friends, of his peers, of the other top prospects in his class and beyond. And I think that that speaks to his character. And we talk about leadership. I think that a leader recognizes the people around him and cheers them on not being nervous if that person will take their spot or, or, um, you know, jeopardize something selfishly for them. So Elijah Green is a superstar in the making. And um, we had an awesome conversation with him.
0: So folks, could you imagine chasing your dream job, whatever it is, you know, if you're into music, it's, it's, you know, being a part of your, your dream as a musician. If, if you want to be a doctor, if you're studying, um, to go into accounting, whatever you, like, you're chasing your dream job. And then someone says, you got it, here it comes. And there's seven figures that go with your dream job and then pausing and you say, you know what, I'm not quite ready yet. Even though you're offering me my dream job, I'm not quite perfectly seasoned i'm not quite ready to where i think i can jump into this career just yet i need a little more time that's what matt mcclain did a couple of years ago he was a first round pick of the arizona diamondbacks at a high school in southern california and he said just that i'm not quite ready yet i'm gonna go to ucla he may be the number one overall pick a couple of years later like the courage to do what all of us are picturing our dream jobs getting finally getting that offer that linkedin worked (laughs) And then you're not quite ready. And I, I don't know how you do it, but he did it. And I can't wait to talk to the young man from UCLA.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of money to turn down. And I think that the biggest thing is he bet on himself and he wanted the chance to make mistakes. And I think that we we underestimate how powerful that is to make mistakes at the craft that we want to perfect and at the, the skill we want to master. And so he realized that, Hey, I still have so many things to learn. I'm going to, I'm going to go to UCLA and take a second and make all the mistakes at that level. And then when I get my next chance, cause there will be a next chance, I'm going to, I'm going to make this worth my while. And he tells us why he did it and how he did it. Um, and, and he's, he's an inspiration. People should, should take a look at his journey and, and take a note from it
0: we got some interesting features that we're throwing into this podcast outside of our two-star guest, Anthony Silvis, uh, as part of our archive deep dive, a young man who was a couple of years ago, admittedly, nearly homeless in the Inland Empire in Southern California, uh, Liliana, his single mom, he raised his own money to go to PG National. And finally, he's starting to share his story. He's been up to 96 this year, and he committed to Cal Baptist because Cal Baptist committed to him. And when the funds aren't there in a one-bedroom apartment with four people living, mom and three kids, um, you take that scholarship and you stay loyal. Here's what may happen, though. A team may come in and make him a very high draft pick. So we'll we'll share a little bit about that story. Um, It's hard to imagine that you do something like that, but uh, I'm glad we found his story, simply put. And then the other thing we're going to do, as we always do, is pull just a little slice out of Perfect Game College Baseball a show that's heard every Tuesday on you on Sirius XM channel 84, Tuesdays at 10 PM. Hunter Pence, my co-host. We all love Hunter's energy. It's infectious. It's crazy. Man, is he a preparer for this show? Just a little look, look behind the curtains. Like he comes ready. Like he comes ready more than I'm ready. I mean, he researches. It's not, he's leaning on being a former player. It's, it's great, but I surprised him a little bit and you'll get to hear that surprise. I brought on the show as a guest, Baylor left-handed pitcher Evan Godwin, who's going to be a high draft pick in his own right, who's going to be a top starter for Baylor, who learned the game, trained the game, played the game at Hunter Pence Baseball Academy. So I'm going to have Hunter Pence interview a dude who learned the game at Hunter Pence Baseball Academy, put it all together, and our scout-sized segments as they are diving into this mock draft, which is so exciting. I mean, we've got ourselves a show, a podcast.
1: Man, the Scouts, okay, first of all, the storytelling that is involved with our episode this week, I think is top notch, but the Scouts, they come through every week and who doesn't love a mock draft? Who doesn't love it? And our guys are the best at what they do. So you're in for a treat, let me tell you all, a real treat as we start to round out 2020.
0: When you look at a Scout and you listen to a Scout, look, you and I value, whether it be a perfect game Scout, or those that are affiliated with Major League Baseball teams. But David Ronsley's done both. He's jumped into this podcast. This is like a 30-plus-year scout, a VP for Perfect Game. He's got such a wonderful perspective. He's been my analyst on television, uh, and your analyst, because you work on the broadcast as well on MLB Network. But David Ronsley said, and he's not much for hyperbole at all. He's hard to impress. (laughs) He said, Elijah Green is the best athlete I've ever scouted. Just stop right there. I mean, Lindor, Jose Fernandez, Christian Yelich, just start naming names. That's what David Ronsley recently said about the super 22 Elijah Green.
1: Yeah. Anytime David Ronsley says something like that, I think your ears perk up and you're paying a lot more attention to who this person is. And I talked to Elijah Green earlier this year and he said something that his dad taught him, his dad, Eric Green, um, illustrious NFL career. He told him, you never know who's watching. And I think that that is a lesson that can sometimes only be taught when you have someone in your life who has played the game or, or been through it, because I think that people forget, and we talked about this on, a, on an episode with Tom Allison, people are watching every little thing you do at every point in your career. And when you're a name like Elijah green, that's even more uh, at the forefront and, and people are, are really paying closer attention, I think to the little things that you do. And so I know that that's when something that he has constantly been improving and working on and so i'm excited to hear about that and he's just a striking kid he's big he he looks like a football player he probably he he probably could be um having some offers right now if he was still playing the game but he's a big kid and and i personally just think he's he's very um humbled and grounded as well so you know to class of 2022 a class of 2021 but similar qualities between him and matt mcclain but yeah he's he's a he's a cool kid
0: So it's very tempting with him to jump in on every metric, to jump in on every stat. Um, In his perfect game career, he's got 90 stolen bases in 100-plus games. He's got a 6.02 slugging percentage. Uh, On and on and on it went. And uh, this is the number one player in the 2022 classes ranked by perfect game. He's going to be a perfect game All-American. In all likelihood, he's going to be a first-round pick. And he's got a whole junior season and then a whole senior year to have play out. So um, I don't know if I'll give him any of those numbers. I- I'm gonna let you start this conversation with him because I wanna know about the man. I'm curious about the man. Here we go. Hello. Hello. Hi there, how are you guys? Hi, I'm doing good. How are you? Very Hi. good.
1: Good. Thanks for letting us borrow your son. Oh, no problem. No problem at all. Hey, Elijah. Hey mom. Hello, Mr. Green. Hello. How are you? I'm good, how are you guys? Great. This is a whole fam. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Uh, shall we start? Darren, are you good?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. go for it. You're you're the rock star leading us off.
1: Oh, rock star. I am not the rock star. We have a real rock star in our presence though. I wanna welcome Elijah Green to amateur hour elijah before we get started man how are you how is life how is school what's going on
2: everything is really good with me school is pretty good baseball is really good i'm excited for the spring
1: You're a busy guy and I I know that there are a lot of people who probably would like to have a conversation with you, learn about you, um, you know, just trying to do my homework for this and and Googling you. And I'm sure that maybe you've Googled your name once or twice. There's a lot of things (laughs) that come up. There are a lot of great stories out there and a lot of, um, you know, impressive information on you right now, and I know we're gonna get into your family and how important they are to you. And I had a chance, I think we talked earlier this summer, maybe it was at the Select Fest, but we talked about your dad and something that you told me, not only does he inspire you, he pushes you, um, your dad, Eric, that he told you that you never know who's watching. And I know now more than ever, eyes are on you in so many different ways, virtually in in real life. And it probably feels like every single thing you do um, is being counted and watched. So from your perspective, when no one is watching you, what are the things that you are doing? What are the little things that if I was a fly? on the wall, a day in the life of Elijah Green. What are some of those little things when no one else is watching that you are doing to better yourself on the field and off the field?
2: So first off the field, I would say academics come first for me. So if you were to fly on the wall, you would see me studying for a, a test or just doing my homework for any, any class. And then on the field, um, you would see me being really consistent. Oh, with my swing is really, I really practiced that over the course of the years, just trying to repeat my swing and just try to make consistent concepts.
1: So let's talk about your swing and what goes into making it look so good and, and do so much work for you. Um, Because there are so many people who comment that you are playing above your level and that you make it look easy. And so How did you find your swing? Who do you model your swing after? And who do you watch in the game that you like? Or is it, I like Elijah green and Elijah green is the swing that I model my game after.
2: I really haven't based my swing off of anyone, but I really like to watch Aaron judge when he's up to bat. But I would just say my swing is just based on myself
1: you know, what goes into making that swing? Like, can you kind of break that down for me though, when you are trying to be consistent and and you are in the cage, you know, getting your reps in, what does that look like? Kind of paint us a picture of what it looks like um, for you trying to just get down what that swing is.
2: I have a little slight open stance and I just pick any part of the back screen of the net to just try to put the ball at so it can be a more consistent swing every time.
0: Green, when did did you fall in love with this game, man? I mean, I know your dad liked it and played it and obviously was passionate about it. But for you, this is your choice. No one else's choice. And you have older siblings. When did you fall in love with it? And kind of take me to that experience, the memory you have when you thought, not only do I love it, I think I could do it maybe for my job. When did that happen? What did it look like?
2: I think I really fell in love with the game was when I was going to my freshman year my eighth grade summer, I think that was the best summer I ever could have had, besides this summer, which was really great for me. But the stats say otherwise. And I feel like I was very consistent. And that year I got invited to Select Fest. So I just felt like that really made me push myself to be in more opportunities like that.
0: Even deeper than that, Elijah, were there certain games? Can you picture yourself at a ballpark being a part of an event? A single piece of contact that you made and you thought oh my gosh I feel like I may be a little different where confidence takes you into that zone where you know your father understands what that's like I did a little bit because they sent me home from rookie ball but um were there those singular moments where you clearly remember that yeah this is what this is what has pulled me in specific moment
2: I would say this year at area code I had I had two home runs in the same game I feel like that made me go on the top. Cause that was the best of the best competition all over the country.
0: What do you hope people do think about you?
2: I just hope they, besides again, I just hope they think I'm a very kind person and very humble person in real, in like in real life, besides baseball. But in baseball, I really think I'm a very competitive guy, leader on the field, and I just like to compete.
0: Real quick, Danny, I have one more. Are you kind and humble? I think I am, yes. Good stuff.
1: So we've been lucky enough to see you in person and see how you are. And I would I would definitely attest to all of those qualities. And you've spent so much time at so many PG events. I'm sure building friendships um, with other top prospects and other guys who are the first. Um, The number one in in their state at their position um, and different things like that. There are two guys I wanted to ask you about who I feel like I I see you with a lot. um, Drew Jones and Tamar Johnson and two guys who I feel like have probably made you better. So do your best and, and kind of just like give me as much as you can. What do those guys and maybe someone else that I didn't mention, how do they raise your game and what do they mean to you?
2: Those two guys are really close to me, honestly. And like, we first, we all first met at the Select Festival in 14U, and it was just really great because they're all great ballplayers, and I just loved how we always talk baseball and how, how we're always want the same things in life, and we always just pick each other's brains at like how to do how to do this, how to do that, and it, we're just all great friends.
1: What have you seen, or how have you seen those two thrive and excel in their games from that select fest to now?
2: One from Drew is him committing to Vandy. I feel like that was one of his biggest accomplishments. And then Tamar, he just does it all. There's not a specific thing I can say about him that just amazes me.
0: I think what makes it fun is that you guys can be fans of one another and that's what is different than like my father's generation when he played certainly and, and even your dad um, when he played his sport of football a lot of times you guys are very well aware of one another right I mean you're talking about friendships but you're also well aware of the top 21s and who was the top 20 and you know how did that go down I, I think it's pretty cool that this generation can be fans of one another. Am I summing that up right? Uh, do you feel like you're kind of fans of one another? It's competitive, right? I mean, you're all kind of vying for that same spot, but would you feel like your fandom, I know you love Mike Trout, and I know you're a Yankees fan, but do you feel like part of your fandom goes to your own guys?
2: Oh, for sure. All my friends I'm fan of, I just want to see them do whatever they can do with whatever it's base- baseball or whatever, if they don't make it with outside of baseball, so...
0: What's the last great piece of advice you garnered from your dad? Um, Specifics. I mean, you know, not just a big picture where you guys were talking and you walked away from that conversation, whether it be through this, through the phone, or whether it be FaceTime, where you actually had it plant a seed in your brain and said, now that's some good stuff. I mean, dads were always supposed to keep giving the good advice, but the last really tangible piece of good advice you got from your dad.
2: We were just talking the other day about cuz he had he recalled all my at bats and this was in Jupiter Fort Myers and I hit a fly ball in the center with a man on third and the guy got thrown out at home and we were just talking about how I could have done a better job with like hitting the ball in a gap or getting a hit which would brought the run more easily so I just he just told me about oh,
3: The advice he gave me was always
2: think to the next level. Don't think to the other guy's level. Just think to the next level.
0: And the same question, and this may be totally different. This may be something completely away from baseball. But your mom, Leslie, what's the last piece of great advice your
2: mom gave you? I would say my mom does. She works with my school. So I would say she always just tells me to stay on top of my schoolwork and my studies and all that.
0: So simple, just, just, just keep studying. How, how, how about your, how about your sister, Imani? She's closest to you in age. Um, when you guys recently had a conversation, do you guys talk a couple of times a week? What do you guys talk about? What have you learned from her? I'm guessing she's, you know, the young adult experience, college, and or the professional world. What's the last thing you guys discussed that was impactful to you?
2: Last time I talked to her it was my birthday, and she was telling me to always be smart with your decisions and just be smart with whatever you're doing, be smart who you hang out with and just think before you do.
1: I'll take that advice too. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll be writing <laughs> that down, I like that. Um, just to kind of piggyback off what Darren was asking earlier, um, have you read something recently or watched something recently that inspired you or made you do a double take or made you wanna share on social media? Like what, what things are you consuming that fire you up, that teach you something? Is it a podcast? Like, is there something like that?
2: I would say, I really like LeBron. So I'd say LeBron really gives me a really big inspiration to how he like carries himself as a leader and competitor on the, on the court.
1: If you, if you could ask LeBron anything, if you got to sit down with the guy, go to dinner with him. You, yeah, and you know what, man? I honestly feel like one day you will be able to do that. What do you wanna know about him? Or what do you wanna learn from him? What, do you, what would you ask him?
2: I would say how you handle all the tension with everything he's got going on.
0: Is it hard to look out for self? You're building your own resume right now. And that resume, the single resume you're building is for you, for your career. At the same time, you're trying to have the characteristic like LeBron James has of being a leader. Is it hard to do both, take care of you and your growth and also the teams and your teammates? And how do you do that?
2: I wouldn't say it was hard because I just want to see everyone else win around me. So I wouldn't say it's hard at all, but it can be hard having the difference between the two because you want to build yourself instead of – building other people, but you wanna build the team as as one. So you just wanna be a great team player and just see everyone else win.
0: Before the pandemic and everything went down, you know, high school seasons were starting, everything was rolling out, and here we are now heading into Christmas, right? Amongst all of that, what area of your game improved the most? What specific area improved the most? Because look, the negative person says, nothing's going to improve in a year like this. I'm here to argue, and I said this earlier in this podcast, that all you guys, 21s and 22s, you busted your butts. And it's evident. I've been watching this cl- this age for years. So for you specifically, what one part of your game would you tell me, Sut, this one really bloomed?
2: I would say my consistency at the plate. And I wouldn't say pandemic really, but t- pandemic really helped me, honestly, because I just got time to work on myself and just be really consistent at the plate and get my arms stronger and just get faster
0: and so is that about pitch recognition is that about decision making during and at bat are those things that maybe you wouldn't have been doing if you're playing games every single day were there some things you were able to do when you say get better at the plate and I know I think you worked with Jose Salas too quite a bit so are those things that because you were got your mind a little stronger as a hitter as well
3: That's for sure,
2: and back to what you said. Pitch recognition, we did a lot of drills for that, and I just thought just seeing the spin of the ball just made me put the barrel on the ball more consistently.
0: Seeing the center of the ball. Now, as an old minor league pitcher, explain to me what that means. Be specific.
2: I'd say, like, if you look at the center of the ball, you can see, like, if it's a spin, which is a curveball, or just the the seams is a fastball or a changeup, and I just react to which whatever.
0: And so when I bump into you in ten years, and uh, you know we're having a Starbucks somewhere, and I'm like Green, it's good to see you. Um, what will you what will you be doing when I run into
2: you? Hopefully in MLB with whatever team in ten years. Okay, maybe
0: I'll, I may be the announcer for that team, <laughs> and, and Danny may be in Hopefully. the dugout reporting. So we'll, we'll just have That's to right. see. Hopefully. Wait,
1: I lied. I do have one more and it is, it awful. is uh, in awful. conjunction with that, Elijah. I know I'm awful. I know. <laughs> I know. So I, I do want to know because, you know, you're watching baseball change a lot. Um, it, it's, it was the weirdest it's ever been um, in, in our lifetimes, maybe ever that we'll see. Um, and I think that What Darren said about your class and class of 2021, the most resilient. um, And I think you've gone through something that no other class hopefully will ever have to. But when you see baseball now and knowing that, you know, you'll be there in just a few years, what do you hope that you can contribute? Or what do you think that your major league career looks like? Does baseball look different than it does right now? Or have you envisioned, you know, the impact that you want to make as the game keeps evolving?
2: I would say I just want to keep more African American players in the game of baseball. So I would say that was how I would carry myself, just to give back to the community, all that.
1: And just that's to follow up with that, yeah, yeah, that I that's very thoughtful. Um, you know, is there something specifically that you think we can do right now, or that communities can do, or that Major League Baseball can do right now to make sure that that does continue to happen? I know that Major League Baseball has the Breakthrough Series, um, and the Dream Series, and and a lot of different initiatives. But is there something that you've thought? Hey, what if we did this? Maybe this would help keep more African Americans in the game and continue to raise those numbers. I was just saying. Uh, have a american
2: camps so all the kids can stay into baseball instead of going to bad other bad things
1: yeah darren
0: i'm good i thought you asked that question super respectfully and he took the microphone and gave the best answer in the world so i that's i was going to jump in if you didn't give the direct answer elijah i was going to jump in and say that's exactly what we need i mean it's exact and it's exactly what we're seeing I mean, we're seeing it. That's encouraging to me. Seven percent, eight percent is going to be a thing of the past, and um, but it's going to take a little while, you know. But I, I'm guessing when you look around your clubhouse, be more representative. There, there's, we're seeing it anyway at the highest levels. Baseballs maybe fun again. Maybe, maybe,
1: maybe. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. <laughs> that Thank was you, awesome, Elijah. Thank you.
0: Of course. So I've said it almost ad nauseum that I really am kind of gaga for the 21 draft class, just because of what they've been through in the year of the pandemic. And I'm not really going to back off of that. I'm kind of passionate about all 20 athletes. I feel like all 20 athletes are better than the 19 and 18 version of themselves because of the discipline they've had to show for health, to get out, to play baseball. So When Perfect Game decided that they put together their first mock draft, maybe it's a little early, maybe not. I'm all in. Like, that's the bottom line. I'm all in. I love this class. So the PG staff mock draft is part of Amateur Hour and the insights that will come your way from from our geniuses that understand these players. Let's start with
4: Jared Goodwin. Talking about the PG staff mock draft that came out last week, I drafted six players, two from college, uh, four from high school. Want to talk about those college guys first? Ethan Wilson was the first guy from South Alabama, big left-handed bat, huge power to all fields. Um, he showed some hitterish qualities his freshman year, then kind of took took a step back last year, but kind of has that riser written all over him. Um, and it wouldn't be surprising if he was right in the middle of the first round or uh, with a good year, even higher than that. The next guy's Mike Vassell, who his senior year looked like uh, he was going to go on the first day and decided to send a letter into the MLB and tell them his plans to uh, go to school. The two years at Virginia um, have kind of been down. And then this fall, he, he looks like he's returned to form with a mid- to upper-90s fastball, power-breaking stuff. And if he ended up in the first round, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Uh, the four high school guys will start with Jordan Lawler. Really smooth shortstop, probably one of the more safe high school bets to be a big league regular or even, you know, projects for more than that. Um, can hit tall all fields. The power is coming. Just kind of an easy, safe pick. Josh Hartle was another one. He's a monster-framed uh, left-handed pitcher. Huge projection remaining. Three-pitch mix he can kind of tunnel. The velocity's coming, but the pitchability and the polish is what really stands out for somebody that big and that long. Um, he, he could be somebody that absolutely pops next spring. Uh, Then you have Josh Baez, uh, who I actually picked with the Indians, but just kind of checks the boxes that they kind of go for. He's going to be young on draft day. He's got a tall, long frame, explosive runner, huge arm in the outfield, and monster power he showed off at the Perfect Game All-American Classic this summer. Last guy's Shane Panzini. He's a workhorse, power-armed righty. Uh, Two breaking pitches, at least average with a slider, Maybe going to be plus one day and the change up looks like it continues to get better. So if he can add that change up this spring and, and really have that four pitch mix, we could see another guy that kind of causes a, a big stir up in the Northeast. So those are the six guys uh, had fun here. Hope all is well. Talk to you soon.
0: You know, I don't know, Danny, if we've fallen into a, a set rundown and format on this podcast. I doubt it because I'm not a planner. You're the organizer of this, (laughs) but we've had fun having college prospect high school prospect. And obviously this podcast flips it around with the 2022 grad in the high school world, but that's what we're doing this week. And and I think it's incredible what Matt McLean did a couple of years ago, coming out of high school in Irvine, California at Beckman high school, a first round pick, and then he just flat gambles on himself. Um, For whatever the reason, whether the finances weren't right, whether he felt like he wanted to develop more, I'm sure it was a little bit of everything. But I'm pumped to talk to a guy who had the guts and the courage to walk away from joining an organization as a first round pick because there's got to be some super depth there.
1: I know there are a lot of people who are excited to see this guy and his potential and what he does with Major League Baseball. But when we were talking to him, I mean, man, this guy is thoughtful. He's grounded, he's been humbled and he admits it. What college kid admits something like that? My mind was blown having a conversation with him. I can't wait to see what he does. And also there's something about a photo in Jackie Robinson Stadium that he drew predicting his future. And hopefully we can get a look at that. But I, I'm impressed with him. I cannot wait to see what this guy does on and off the field in the future.
0: So we've jumped in on this mock draft throughout this podcast. By the way, in the PG staff mock draft, Matt McLean is expected and selected to go number three overall to the Detroit Tigers. Remember, what does he overcome? He was a first-round pick out of high school a couple of years ago. His freshman year, he had an on-base of 276. He really struggled. And he addresses that in this conversation. He had an 0-for-10 at USC. He goes to UCLA. He had an 0-for-10 weekend at ASU with four strikeouts. And look at him now, baby. I knew once we booked Matt that I wanted to go and start one place for sure because we talked about this, he and I, a couple of years ago on our radio show on SiriusXM. And I want to go right back there because he's a college guy now. He's not at home now. But I want to know how prepared you were, Matt, to be a college baseball player with all the ground balls your mom hit you, with the way that she is the best athlete in the family, how much did you take Wendy's athleticism to campus? How much do you miss being around mom? It's one of my favorite discussions I've had with an athlete <clears throat> is the way you described your mom throwing the football better than any woman that you've ever seen or any mom, and the way yeah. she hit you buckets of ground balls in Little League. I'm starting there with your mom, her athleticism, and you, and now becoming a man at UCLA.
5: Yeah, I mean... I always say she's the toughest person in the family having to do with me and my brothers. Um, She's awesome. You know, I miss having her around, but we talk every single day on the phone and uh, I love her. Obviously she's a great athlete, but I think her best personality trait is her toughness. I mean, she's so tough and I think I really take that onto the baseball field and as well as my brothers into every single day, everyday life as well.
0: Yeah. An all American softball, volleyball player collegiately. So take me out to the field when you were in little league, I want to go with you. I'm going to be sitting on the bench in the dugout and I want to, I want you to give me the best description you can of the baseball, the fungal or the bat and mom hitting ground balls. What am I looking at?
5: Yeah. So we would practice on the elementary school field, all dirt, no grass infield, never, never raked pretty beat up. And she'd be hitting lasers at me and my brothers at shortstop after practice during practice. And she would, try and hit it at us to where we couldn't field it so it was really a challenge and it was really like okay you know my mom really wants me to do good in life she's gonna she's gonna challenge me there's gonna be nothing handed to me and it was just a lot of fun because you know balls hopping everywhere we're having a competition with my brother and at the same time against my mom hitting us rockets at that time and at the end of the day it was all fun and it really built my love for the game
1: When it comes to conversations now, um, text messages that you get uh, before games or, you know, watching you, maybe she doesn't like something that happened or a decision you made. Does does that happen? Do you get texts from her, calls from her? Like, is she checking in like that?
5: Yeah, she checks in. She watches every game, whether they're at the game. I'm fortunate enough to where they can come to a lot of the games um, or watch them because the Pac-12 network streams a lot of games. But no, she doesn't mention anything. She always tells me good job, no matter how I did. Uh, We both know in the back of our heads whether it was actually a good job or not. But but no, she's always positive, says I did a great job because she knows I, I put the work in and I'm prepared to do the best I can do out on the field every game.
1: Yeah, and it's a tall task to raise three young men who are outstanding athletes, right? You guys are a a power family. I feel like your um, your youngest brother, Nick, just signed his letter of intent uh, for UCLA. Your brother, Sean, Richard, freshman at ASU, and then you at UCLA. Um, There's not a lot of quiet moments, I could imagine, for your family. What's something that you can tell us about your brothers that only you know about them?
5: Um, uh, let me think about that one. Only I know about them. I would just say the most, the most fun I have around them is specifically the weight room. We got a good setup in the weight room and I'll be out there lifting or one of them's lifting and all of a sudden the next one shows up and then the next one shows up. And then all of a sudden we're having a weight lifting competition in the garage when, it was never meant to be that. Or one of us is shooting hoops out in the courtyard and, and next thing you know, we're playing one-on-one and people are diving everywhere, getting shoved into the planters and stuff like that. I think that's the most fun part about having two brothers who are so competitive. Um, just the chance, the opportunity that I get to have two best friends live with me like that. And I get to, I get to call them my best friends because they are, um, and get to live with them every single day when I'm at home, at least
0: so you have a unique chance to be a first round pick twice you've got to take care of your business obviously this spring but you've got a unique chance that few could few can claim right and so i'm going to ask you to put your scouts hat on and and think this through just a little bit for me understanding that you could be a first round pick twice if you were a scout and i were to ask you what is a first round pick i mean what is that i don't understand what a first round pick is i'm asking you matt mcclain the scout what would you tell me understanding you may be a first round pick twice. What are the characteristics of a first round pick skills, mindset, education? What are the characteristics?
5: Uh, that's a tough question, but I would say, you know, five 2 pl- tool player who can do it all. Um, a guy who goes out there and gives it his all every single game. He's a winner. And obviously he's going to have a long career in the uh, big leagues, hopefully, But at the end of the day, he puts the work in like nobody else, and he gives himself the best opportunity. He's got the talent along with the dedication and work ethic to make it a long way in this game. And at the end of the day, he's a winner who's going to win at the big league level for their team.
0: You know what's interesting? You and I talked about this in the pre-interview. That summer of 18, when you played for the Bellingham Bells, you went up there right away and played in the college league, and you weren't even in college yet, right? You get picked in the first round by the Diamondbacks. You go play at the Bellingham Bells. Um, On your quiet nights in Bellingham, and I've played minor league baseball in Bellingham a long, long time ago. Uh On your quiet nights in Bellingham, what were your thoughts about? You played really well. I mean, you fit in. You had a really good summer, 370 on base. But to make a decision as bold as you made to be a first-round pick and say, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and go to UCLA. That's bold. You know that. So what yeah. were your, your your quiet thoughts nights? Was there doubt? Give me get let me get inside your head in Bellingham. Not with your teammates, but when you were alone.
5: Yeah, when I was alone, actually, it's funny you say that. I never really thought about that to be honest. After the game, it was about it was about dinner and Fortnite and how to, how to take care of my body for the next day. I didn't really think about that decision much because, you know, I control what I can control, and I controlled my decision. Obviously, in that whole twenty eighteen draft. And after that, I couldn't control what I did or what the team did, or I could just focus on what I was doing in that present moment to get myself ready to go for the next game. And, you know, I would debrief the game sometimes at night, whether it was a good or bad night, but I never really thought back on the decisions or the decision that I made. Where
0: does that come from? Because you know, not everyone can do that, dude. I mean, seriously, <laughs> you're, you're, just right back task in hand. First round uh-huh. pick, not the right fit right back to being a ball player. Where does that come from?
5: Um, that's just the way I was raised by both my parents, my mom and my dad. Um, they both always preach control what you can control. Um, it's all about attitude and effort. Those are two things you can control. Um, being present and taking things day to day and being where your feet are because that's the only way that you can get better as a baseball player and as a person.
1: So we're clearly exhausting this topic, but I feel like it's <laughs> nice to come full circle. <laughs> Yeah, I'm exhaust it no, no, no. a little bit more here because uh, I, I want to just dig like a little, little bit deeper with this. You okay. bet on yourself. You took a huge risk. You took a chance that not many people probably in the history of this game have done will do. That's uh, a pretty mature decision. And you said, you know, you knew it was right for you. This was what you could control. But now that you've had time to like, see this plan through, see what you controlled. Um, where are you now? What, how did your bet? pay off
5: yeah so it started my freshman year I I played a lot and I really struggled actually and because of that right now I'm I'm a better player and I'm a better person because of it I learned a lot from it Um, I really had adversity for the first time in baseball not saying that in a cocky manner at all Um, that was my first year I've ever really struggled and I learned a lot from it I knew uh, what I need to do to get my head where it need to be to where I can, I wouldn't be taking my at-bats to my defense to where I was selfless and I can go pitch to pitch and really focus on getting external and, and getting ready to compete no matter what just happened at the plate. Um, because it was tough, um, but I learned a lot from it. And then from there, I went to play in uh, the Cape Cod League. I, I did pretty well out there, um, started to find myself and get back to what, who I was as a baseball player and then ever since then I've just been trying to get better and build on on top of that and really find my identity and run with it because to say I lost myself as a baseball player a little bit is mm-hmm. uh I think it's a true statement as to regarding my freshman year but then my ability to you know put that behind and learn from it and not dwell on it and get better from it I think was a really big opportunity for me and chance for me to grow as a baseball player. And I took advantage of it and I'm still taking advantage of it, I believe.
1: And why do you feel like it's important to recognize that or share that or, or be humbled and, and have um, this attitude about it? Why, why does that serve you? Why is that important?
5: Um, I think it's important because it's not going to be the first time I get humbled. Um, not I, I think I'm a humble person, um, but in terms of performance being humbled, that was really the first time I was humbled and it's not going to be the last. And now I know that Um, I know what to go to when I'm struggling and the things to think and the drills routines to go to get back to my uh, hitting routine, fielding routine, stuff like that. And just, I just think it's important because if you're going to succeed in life, you're going to have to fail. Mm -hmm. And if you get knocked down, you know, the old saying, if you get knocked down seven times, get up eight. Mm -hmm. Um, That's something that, you know, I live by and you can learn from everything, whether it's a positive or negative.
0: So Santa Barbara this summer, and a summer where we all had to be careful and be quiet. And I'm, maybe you went and played in the NBC tournament. I'm not sure. Um, But what was that like for you? You were having a great sophomore year, a really great sophomore year. You were slugging it, you were getting on base a bunch. And then you went with the foresters and that's a great program. You had a, a heck of a summer when you guys were able to play kind of walk me through your summer. We weren't there. What improved for you offensively? What was just playing baseball like for the foresters?
5: Yeah. You know, it was awesome. It was an amazing opportunity. Coach, Bill Pintard. Um, he gave me that opportunity. There wasn't, I believe the two opportunities I had were Santa Barbara and the Northwoods league. And I chose Santa Barbara. Um, there was a bunch of UCLA guys up there. I got to play with my brother again. Um, you know, day-to-day, it was a lot like pro baseball. You know, most summer leagues are, um, from what I hear. Obviously, I haven't played pro baseball, but from what I hear, summer ball is a lot like pro baseball. It was a good opportunity. We had, our, we had a good setup up there. We had our own apartment, um, lived really close to the field. You know, games were normally at, I want to say they were about at five every day. I'd get there for early work most days at anywhere from 12 to one after lunch, get some uh, ground ball work in or, or hitting that day just day-to-day, depending on what it was, trying to get some work in before, um, get a workout in. And, you know, there was a lot of restrictions and stuff, but I think the the coaching staff over at Santa Barbara was really – I was really fortunate to have them because they were there every day, no matter how early I wanted to get out there. Coach Joe – shout-out, Coach Joe, if you're watching this. Uh, he was getting out there early every day. roll ground balls hit ground balls and really work on my defense because i think that's one part where i i can grow a lot as a player obviously i can grow in other places but defense specifically i was having a lot of fun getting out there early um the competition was really good we had a great team and we had a really successful summer to pull it off and be able to play as many games as we did especially with every all the craziness going on
0: yeah games at bats plate appearances i mean more time for you you needed that you wanted that um, oh, yeah. heading into this year what was the name of the fifth grade teacher when you drew the picture of you and you discussed playing at Jackie Robinson Stadium in fifth grade you remember that you you shared with me at some point that you drew some sort of a drawing or a picture that you actually someday would play at Jackie Robinson Stadium at UCLA recall that for me
5: yeah I'm pretty sure it was uh Miss Pinedo um, okay I actually still talked to her. My did mom you, real quick, really did she friends.
0: encourage you when she saw it? Did she say way to go? That's a good idea.
5: Oh yeah, she's very positive. Good,
0: good. Great teacher. <laughs> All right, so One take, take me back to that picture. I wanna, <laughs> I know you don't have it with you, your college living space, yeah. but what does that picture look like, did. Matt?
5: Yeah, no, seriously, I wish I did too. Mm. Um, No, I actually, now that you say it, I can kind of picture it. I wrote myself at shortstop, I circled me in red. Um, Red was my favorite color because I'm a redhead, so I circled myself in red at shortstop, and I wrote the scoreboard. And they were playing Arizona. I don't know why I remember that, but they were, and it was just awesome. I don't know. It's kind of the first time I really drew out my dream in fifth grade. You know, it kind of happens in elementary school. They tell you to draw what you want to be so you can picture it, and I have it somewhere at home. I do remember that because my mom and Miss Pinedo are our friends I know that they talk so I think she gave it back to us
1: can we get our hands on that can we get a copy of that
5: (laughs) seriously yeah I'm I seriously need to look for it I I'm sure my mom has it somewhere
1: yeah
0: mom mom one of these a cell phone a picture send it to you you send it to us
1: (laughs) please um I want to know when your name is called in July what do you, what's the one thing you want people to know about you when you hear your name and people start to Google you and see a million things come up on their computers? What's the one thing you want them to know?
5: Uh, that I'm not done. And I put the work in, um, you know, no matter where things happen in July, I'm not really worried about that. I'm, I'm worried about getting my team back to Omaha. Um, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, that's not the end goal. The end goal is to play in the big leagues for a long time. Um, so yeah, I'd say that I'm not done and I put the work in.
1: And last one for me, you know, kind of circling back to the photo and, and, you know, visualizing what you want to be like, who was the person that you saw playing the game? And you were like, I want to be that guy.
5: Derek Jeter. I mean, what did you like? He does it all. He does it all. He's a great person. I know he's great off the field from what I hear. Um, I really like how he can hit. He's not just a defense only shortstop. Obviously, he had a great glove. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's I think decent. he's a best player. All right. yeah, yeah, just just alright glove. Yeah. But no, um, I like how he could really hit. He could swing it, and I watched him. He played the game the right way, always hundred um, percent, on and off the field. You know, there's a lot of guys who like jog on the field now, and I always watched him. And he was he was jogging on the field a lot harder than everyone else. How
0: important was the Cape in 2019 for you? I love how vulnerable you were saying, I lost myself as a baseball player. That's very cool to hear. It's very real to hear. Um, but, But how important were those games in the Cape? Because you went to the Cape and you played well and if mm-hmm. you needed anything it was right to play well the gate to find yourself again as a player i mean i'm doing a quick look i mean at the end of your freshman year you, you you know you weren't able to sprint to the finish line you didn't get hot at the end but then you went to the cape and these were dudes right i mean these are all dudes and you're a freshman first of all they still invite you to the cape despite the year that no and i mean that respectfully like you no, yeah, had yeah, yeah, earned, yeah. you had earned it with what you had accomplished to that point right uh-huh. so how how important were those games in the cape
5: it was really important. Um, coach Jerry Weinstein, um, he's a great coach. He was out there every day, ready to play, getting me better. Um, it was good. I mean, that league's obviously very good. A lot of the guys on the team were really good. Um, a lot of older guys, so I think it was it helped me mature as a baseball player. I wasn't a, a freshman anymore. I wasn't a. I I kind of formed a new identity. A, I'd say altered my identity as a baseball player. I matured. Um, I really got things under control in terms of, you know, routine, early work. Cause that was the first time like in summer ball where we were getting there pretty early and getting our work and getting an extra work. And I really learned like what those things can do for you as a baseball player. And just playing at a le- higher level of competition. I think it really helped me prepare for the next season and seasons to come.
0: So when your dad, Mike listens to this podcast, will he be offended that he didn't get a single mention?
5: No, he won't. He doesn't take things personal.
0: Nice. That's all. Then that's all. Yeah.
1: (laughs) 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 There's dad's shout out.
0: Yeah, there's dad's shout out. Back to the PG staff mock draft. Where does your favorite prep or college player land? What organization are you working towards? Let's check in with Brian Sikowski.
6: Was really excited to uh, release our PG staff mock draft uh, not too long ago where our scouting staff was, was each assigned a handful of teams and uh, in mock draft format for a couple of rounds made each pick for their assigned teams. And uh, Vinny Cervino and I obviously uh, provided the analysis on on each, you know, pseudo draft. Uh, and I'm going to break down a couple of the ones I like the best, um, with the, the fifth pick of the first round and then the 34th pick overall uh, in the second round, Tyler Russo acting as the Orioles took Jack lighter in the first round and Malachi Knight in the second round. Um, obviously you, you really like the, the blending of college and high school there lighter is maybe the best arm in the class to some uh, obviously the, the Vanderbilt right-hander um, guy who's got ace upside Malachi Knight was a, is a center fielder from Washington, a high school kid who hit all summer, has really loud tools, uh, like the potential of him playing center field long-term. Uh, moving on from that, our scouting director, Jared Goodwin, picked for Cleveland, uh, and I thought he did a really good job. He had the 23rd pick overall and the 52nd pick overall. Uh, and he took a couple high school guys. He took Josh Baez with the first pick and Shane Panzini with the second pick. Uh, both are... Pretty standard Indians picks, honestly, uh, given Baez's tools and youth. And uh, he had a really explosive summer. I, I don't know if anybody wrote, kind of raised their stock more than, than Josh Baez did this summer. And Shane Panzini was just kind of steady Eddie all summer. Uh, four pitches, he throws them for strikes. He's durable and physical. He's up to 95, um, like the, the pairing there of those two. And then uh, Johnny McAdams playing the role of Athletics GM. Uh, at pick 25 and pick 54, took Sal Frelick from Boston College and Thatcher Hurd, the, the prep right hander from SoCal. Um, Frelick is a guy that we've liked a lot, a really athletic, versatile defender. He can play in the outfield. He can play on the grass. Uh, and, and you like the bat. He's got some power there. He's a little undersized, but uh, a guy that we think will hit and hit for some power. Uh, and Thatcher Hurd, really exciting, projectable uh, right-handed pitcher, had a really great summer, was outstanding late in the fall as well. Uh, A guy that we think could even sneak up higher than, than that, the pick 54 that he was mocked out at.
0: I always value when an athlete takes the time to fill out a biographical questionnaire. Look, we're ahead of an event, you're coming to a national event, you want to get your name out there with your metrics and your skills and on video, So why not take the time to fill out who you are? It's very simple, it's through SurveyMonkey. Young athletes can do it on their phones. And Anthony Silvis did just that. Out of Moreno Valley, California, a talented right-handed pitcher who at the national showcase got up to 92 miles an hour. So that's just the beginning of the story because when you read the questionnaire that he filled out, he talks about mom, Liliana, how much she means to him. No mention of dad because mom has done all the heavy lifting. But then there's so much more to the story when you get to know Anthony Silvas, who after National at 92, got up to 96 this summer. He's committed to go to Cal Baptist, probably is going to be a draft pick in July though. And the story of the courage of his home and what he has overcome, raising his own money to get to events, to get to workouts and becoming the man of the home while all the while trying to become a prospect, I'm in. By the way, Anthony, thanks for filling out your questionnaire. Now a whole lot of people know your inspiring story. Anthony, thanks for hanging out with us from Southern California. Really appreciate your time in this holiday season. When you got the invite to National, what was it that swayed you? You guys were, were all in the middle of a pandemic that said, I'm going to make the sacrifice. I'm going to get prepared. I'm going to – I don't know if you had ever been to Hoover, Alabama, but I'm going to take this chance. What what kind of swayed you to make that choice?
7: Um. It was kind of iffy, um when I had got it, I was actually working out, and I had sent it right away to my mom, and she right away said no, and then we kind of got in an argument and everything and because of the whole pandemic, it's a huge risk um but I tried to explain to her like it's kind of like a one last time like like one type of shot type of thing, like if I'm trying to get drafted at high school um and Basically, it was just no. So I kind of saved my own money. I kind of reached out to like my coach to try to help me get there. And so yeah, we we made it work. Uh, went with my coach, uh, just us two, and yeah, it worked out pretty good. And I'm glad. I'm glad. Our and she's glad that we actually went. Yeah, the the story that, just got a lot better, Anthony.
0: Yeah, the story just yeah. got better. I apologize for interrupting. The story just got way better. I, I'd love to know about, A, the work you put in to help pay your own way, B, the communications you had. And I don't know if that's you know with, with your travel coach. I know at one point you've been with Eastern Prime. But I'd love to know the people that you reached out to, the people that supported you, and the work you physically did to earn the money because this story just got way better.
7: Yeah, so actually a huge, huge help was uh, Mike Carpenter from Eastern Prime. Um, he's one of the biggest guys I helped. Um, but, of course, the person I went with was my high school coach. Uh, his name is Brad Alcock. He, he was the biggest help for, of course, like he flew with me. We got a hotel and everything. Um, and then my mom, like my mom really was just like she didn't want me to go at all. Um, and she really, she was like one of those people that she kind of understands and then like she really doesn't. So it's hard to get to her and like make her realize how big like the event is and everything. Right. But yeah, just those were the main people, and then of course some family like my aunts, uncles, they all like try to help pitch in like some extras. Yeah, it all worked out well though.
0: I know you talked about your mom's, you know, putting up the stop sign, going to national. But mom is, as, uh, I, as I understand it, everything to you and a big part of your life. Uh, tell me about your mom, Liliana the sacrifices she has made there's emily who's 20 there's alex uh, who's your younger brother adrian uh, a brother as well but i'd like to know a little bit about your mom liliana
7: she's done everything she's can you know she's there's there's been lots of sacrifices just from like you know even eating um trying to find out how to live we've been for we've been we moved from texas um about 11 years ago and ever since we've been in an apartment a three-bedroom apartment and um we ended up getting evicted and we were stuck basically on the streets and our aunt like took us in and once we started high school and even then was a struggle for my aunt because you know it's i think a three or four bedroom house and it's 10 of us in there and um so we were also struggling, like, what's for dinner now or what's for dinner tomorrow. Um, and then again, my mom's working a—I uh, don't know if you know the store—it's called TJ Maxx and Home Goods. It's a minimum wage job, and she's been there for ever since we moved over here, and she's still getting paid minimum wage. Um. And so we we kind of we could have stayed at my aunt's. And we would have been kind of better, but my mom was kind of getting fed up with this. so we moved into a, a one-bedroom, one-bath apartment that my grandma was at. So my grandma left. We came in, and we've been here for about a year now, about a year. And it's still it's still pretty bad. Like uh, struggling to, you know, buy some food for all of us. You know, instead of just eating like chips or whatever we have there. And even me, like, she can't always get, well, when the gym was open, she can't really take me all the time. So, and it kind of frustrates her, but, like, I try to tell, like, you don't understand, like, I have to get the working. So, I started to, like, realize myself, like, I just got to get it done, like, regardless. So, and we live, like, miles, miles, miles away from the gym. So, like, it's either I walk all the way over there, which I have, or I wake up at 5 in the morning and, you know, go do my stuff myself. Kind of close to the planes, but yeah, it's it's been a been a huge struggle for about 11 years. And it's also with no like father figure, you know, in the picture. So it's her, all here by herself.
0: I want to talk pitching here. Here and I quote his scouting report, folks. I'm very competitive right-handed pitcher. Five pitches, including four-seam, two-seam, 12 to 6 curve, slider, and changeup. I've been up to 93 and can pitch backwards. Now you shared that with me on June 6th before the national showcase. Um, where is that right now? Kind of take that, that scouting report, take it deeper. And where have you evolved off of that scouting report?
7: Well, I really see myself as a really competitive pitcher. Like, um, like, am I really don't know how to say it. Like just really, I'm really competitive. You know, like once I'm, once I'm in the mound, um, you know, there's nothing else that I hear. There's nothing else that I see. It's just me, the catcher, the hitter right there, standing up. Um, and, yeah, I could pitch backwards. Um, and that actually came recently since for my sophomore year. You know, I, 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 from my freshman year, I was, like, always trying to pitch backwards. I wanted to be that guy. Yeah, I threw hard, but I wanted to, you know, have that first pitch breaking ball and then, you know, just keep them guessing. Um, Yes, I still have five pitches. And I think the only difference is I have been up to 96 this past summer. Wow. And Yeah.
0: Wow. Up to 96 miles an hour. Uh, tell me about when that occurred.
7: Uh, it was in September. Um, it was after some Arizona events. Okay. I was just, uh, just trying to find a, a partner to come catch me and I uh, went to high school, and, yeah, it was actually 95.7. But, um, but yeah, it was in September. And ever since, yeah, it's just been, like, a couple, like, 94s, 95s in bullpens. So, yeah, it, the losses went up a little bit.
0: You know, you got to wonder and think that it probably will be a heavy college draft in 2021. Let's get back to the PG staff mock draft and get the perspective I've with a lot of good insights on the college game,
8: Jeremy Brown. So as we talked about earlier, we as a staff did a perfect game mock draft, kind of for fun. Obviously, nothing's concrete. The season hasn't even started, and it was limited looks in 2020. Some teams weren't able to get out on the fall, but it was still fun to do. Kind of see where guys lined up and what our staff thought of certain players across the country. I picked for the Diamondbacks, the Giants, and the White Sox, two picks each. And I started with uh, the Diamondbacks taking Brady House, somebody we're awfully familiar with at Perfect Game, a two-time select festival alum, a Perfect Game All-American, hard-hitting third uh, shortstop. I'm going to correct myself and say shortstop because he has the athleticism. Some people think he's going to move to third. I personally don't. I think he can stay up the middle. He's really young for the grade. And so is the second pick, J.P. Massey, a right-hander from Minnesota. Collegiate arm, really fast whip-like. He's not done growing. Mid-90s fastball. The slider's got a chance to be plus. With the Giants, I stuck up the middle. I went with another prep-college combo with Khalil Watson, arguably the biggest riser throughout the summer into the fall, full of fast-twitch muscle, left-handed stick. We saw him out in Oklahoma City. uh, Really tore it up in Fort Myers in the World Baseball Championships. Then Cody Morissette, might not be as famous as some of the other college bats. Boston College, not far from where I'm where I live. Really pure hit tool. There may not be that one plus factor, the one tool that jumps off the page, but he's really consistent. He should slide over to shortstop this year for the Eagles. He's somebody that their coaching staff has been high on since day one. Rounding it out, the Chicago White Sox, I went two college picks. Alex Benellis, hard-hitting third baseman, put up ridiculous numbers as a true freshman. The power is there. The power is real. It's a plus tool. He was hampered in 2020 with an injury, but everything seems to be back, ready to go. He's somebody you've got to keep close eyes on as he could continue to rise. And then Mason Black, right-hander from Lehigh, somebody that was just mentioned in our mid-major names to know, uh, really took off on the Cape following his uh, freshman season, mid-90s fastball. Everything there is just really loud, and it's a name that you're going to get to know if you don't already.
0: The PG staff mock draft, who goes 1-1, who wraps up the mock draft? Where does your favorite team land? Who are you jonesing over? Vinny Servino sees all things college baseball for perfect game. I'd like his perspective.
9: Vinny Servino, National Scouting Coordinator for a perfect game here. Uh, recently on the website, we did a staff mock draft in which the members of our scouting staff were granted roles as general managers for prospective teams in the MLB draft coming up next July when uh, myself and Brian Sikowsky broke down those picks and analyzed those picks. So I'm going to talk about a couple of the teams that I thought had really good drafts and the ones that were kind of my favorite. So we'll start with the uh, Texas Rangers, who were being drafted by Cade Shares. They took Kumar Rocker with their first pick and Benny Montgomery with their second pick. Uh, Obviously, I think this fits into a lot of what the Texas likes to do in terms of athleticism and that sort of profile. And I think Rocker and Benny Montgomery both fit that profile. They do well here to get an established college arm, uh, you know, the, the arm who's currently the number one prospect on our board. And then they get an upside prep outfielder, Benny Montgomery, who has a chance to really skyrocket up boards as he's made some swing adjustments and has shown a lot of physical tools as well. Uh, Another pick I liked was uh, the Diamondbacks at 6, who were drafted by Jeremy Brown. They took Brady House with their first pick, and J.P. Massey out of Minnesota with their second pick. Brady House is quite possibly the number one prep prospect in the country. He's exciting tools. The the upside is legitimate, and he's made hard-hit contact at every stop, whereas Massey is a young-for-the-class right-hander with electric arm speed and pretty good stuff, so there's substantial upside here, even as a college arm. And finally, the the team I liked as well was at twenty two was the Chicago White Sox, taking Alex Vannes out of Louisville and Mason Black out of Lehigh. Uh, some people think that Alex Vans may be the best pure hitter in this class. Uh, he's a really physical prospect, really puts basketball to ball on a consistent basis, and is really impressed in his short time here in college baseball already, whereas Mason Black is quite possibly the number one uh, college arm mid- college mid major arm in the country. Uh, he's been up to 99 this fall, along with his power slider and changeup. There's a really good mix of ingredients and qualities there. And I think getting him into a good player development system could be a boom for organizations.
0: Each week, each Tuesday night at 10 o'clock Eastern on SiriusXM's XM's ESPNU, we put Hunter Pence to work. That's right, that Hunter Pence. He's amazing. I mean, he just stopped playing in the big leagues, wrapped it up with the San Francisco Giants. But he's my co-host on Perfect Game College Baseball. He also has been passionately involved through family and friends with the amateur game. There's Hunter Pence Baseball Academy in Texas. They're developing young players. They have travel teams. There's a way they go about teaching the game. And there is a young man who came through Hunter Pence Baseball Academy, who has gone on to Baylor, who plans on being on the mound on Friday nights as one of the top starters for the Baylor Bears by the name of Evan Godwin. Hunter Pence interviews the man who learned the game at Hunter Pence Baseball Academy. You'll love it. Hunter Pence here. Uh, I've known you since you were 10 years old. Um, I know your work ethic. I know what you've done. You've you've had a crazy journey, um, you know. But but obviously, I'm I'm very excited to get this chance to talk to you and to talk about that experience you had in those 16 games. And it sounds like uh, I didn't know about this summer league you guys had in Cyprus, uh, but it sounds like you you guys have a little bit of an edge because no one ar- around the country, not too many, have had that th- those those games and and those reps. Tell me a little bit about the college experience your freshman year, the summer league. What are some of the things you learned and some of the things you're working to improve on and and to grow
3: with? Absolutely. So um, coming in as a freshman last year, you know, I didn't really have too many expectations. Like I was, you know, praying I would get, get some innings here and there. um, And then ended up being able to get a pretty good amount of innings under my belt, my freshman year ish, 16 games. And uh, the one thing that really, at, at the beginning of the fall last year, um, that really stuck out to me was how much smaller the strike zone is. And um, you you really have to execute your pitch as well. And if you don't, then you're going to walk some guys, not going to get as many outs. Um, and so that was a big adjustment. But once it got to the season, especially like the spring, like in inner squad before the season, um, the biggest thing was, you know, college baseball hitters are going to hit the ball like no matter what like you could execute a pitch perfectly and they're going to hit a ball hard somewhere get a base hit hit a homer anything like that and so that was one thing that mentally I had to figure out like you know I'm going to give up hits here and there like I'm not going to be perfect and no matter what happens whether I give up a home run a couple hits in a row the next batter is always the one that matters and you know you just have to kind of flush it and be like all right I'm going to get this guy out now You know hit this guy hit a single. All right, let's get a double play ball. Let's get out of the inning. And that was, that was huge for me once I realized that. Um, but, you know, this year, my biggest thing has just been working over the summer when we were playing in that collegiate league and throughout the fall is, you know, using my back half more and and keeping the ball more down in the zone rather than leaving it waist high, but still hitting your spots. Because when you keep the ball down in the zone, you're able to get ground balls, weak contact. Um, and, you know, that's been a big help for me this fall. Um, starting to figure that out. And then obviously kind of tuning in all my pitches and, and commanding them the way I want to. So
0: there you have it. Great conversations, good people, some good learning. If you're into scouting, good scouting. So here's the thing. I've had the good fortune over the last little while, and I know you've been creative and on other fronts too, Danny. Um, but I've had the good fortune to be around college basketball and to see teams like the University of Arizona and Grambling, to see teams like ASU women's basketball, USC women's basketball. And um, I'm just equally blown away by everyone who's an amateur athlete in the year 20 and in the year 2021. I've said it several times throughout this podcast, but just being around female and male athletes and the sacrifices they have to make to play the sport they love, um, it's been uber inspirational and it's not just punching the clock for me I know it's not for you and that's kind of what when we get to the end of each one of these that's kind of where my mind goes and that's why I throw my personal side of being around high-level college athletes that it just blows me away what those that are committed to their craft that are amateurs in this amateur hour have had to do in 2020 and gosh near the end of the year why not celebrate the heck out of them
1: so I, I know I'm broken record and I say this a lot, but I feel very fortunate to have the opportunity to get to know these guys and talk to them and learn their story. But honestly, when I'm taking my notes, I I've saved my notes, I, I type them out and I keep them and I'm taking very specific notes and pages out of their books especially these two classes and these two guys in particular elijah green and matt mclean and how they've conducted themselves and how they hold themselves and the standards that they've set um that's applicable to me that's applicable to you listening or for the future generations like you should be paying very close attention to what the prospects and the people of these classes have done and will do in the future because they've lived in a time and gone through something we never will um in a time in their lives that's supposed to be fun and and um you know not so serious or you know limited it's not supposed to be limiting right now and they've taken something that's really tough and turned it into something really cool Um, and i applaud them and i just feel really lucky that we get to talk to them and share how they thrive and, and who these people are
0: So instead, I end this one uh, poking a little bit, those out there that talk about the strikeouts in the game and, and all the things that have changed and how this game isn't like it used to be and we have to go back to those folks. It's not going back. So enjoy the ride. Enjoy the future. That's what Danny and I choose to do. There are those that celebrate the major leagues only and really feel like a lot of this. Just tell me when they get there. That's fine. But you're here because you're into it. The game is evolved. It is a power-driven game on the mound with a bat in their hand. So those of you that are are missing the old days, it's not going back. My father retired in 1988. It's not going back. Enjoy these kids, and that's what I do. So uh, we, we also want to tell you to subscribe, to like, to share, <laughs> to unsubscribe, to like again, to share, to download, to share, to like, and subscribe.
1: Action items. Right? You got them all.
0: Yep. And don't be longing for the old days anymore because look, all the things that we want in the old days are character and class and respect. And this future of the game has all that. It's okay if people strike out more. It's okay, you'll be okay.
1: You'll be all right.